So you came on Sunday, heard a good sermon, sure seemed like you really were learning, but that was days ago. And since that time, you've watched a lot of shows, heard a lot of news, read a lot of photo captions. Maybe a book or two, you got the information over the blues. Maybe you forget the good news. Need to remember the good news. So let's check up. Let's check up. Pull up a chair for the midweek checkup now. Welcome to the Sojourn Midweek Checkup. My name is Bobby Gillis. This past Sunday, Pastor Jonah taught from Matthew 19 in our Family Value series, and he said that Jesus frees us from what we have so we can have him. I'm joined by Lindsay Blair, Michael Miller, and Jasmine Trail Oliver for a conversation about the sermon, sort of like what you might have in community groups. So let's uh, dive in. Jasmine, what do you think? What, what uh, did you learn? I really appreciated the sermon. Um, you know, personal finance is something that I was fortunate enough that my high school math was just a personal finance class. And um, instead of like really having a, a teacher go through, they just put on Dave Ramsey on the TV for us. So I got at like high school senior crash course on Dave Ramsey, uh, who from what I've seen is super popular in this area. Um, so, you know, that was helpful, just getting used to the terms of finance and seeing the reality that money does provide it is a source of conflict in marriages. Um, I think Jonah said it was the third highest reason for divorce. And that's not the only time I've heard that. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of wisdom in this sermon. And money's, money's hard, a hard topic to talk about because, you know, Jesus being homeless um, and even when he needed money, he gets it out of a fish's mouth. So that's like, well, I don't have the power to do that. And... <laughs> Like it's, it's hard to just sell your possessions Yeah. because I've done that. Like when Blake and I left, we, we had a big yard sale, sold most of everything that we had. And it was hard for us because you, you get attached to things. There are memories um, or then living out of a suitcase for two years. There are lots of annoyances that come out of that of like, well, I wish I had this or my my pack can't be this heavy because I have to carry it around everywhere. So in that way, I did see the wisdom that Jonah was pulling up from the scripture is your possessions will own you or will like in this, our case, literally weigh on you. Hmm. So yeah. that was, that was interesting. Kristen and I were, were fortunate enough when we first got married, her dad gave us the Dave Ramsey, um, the financial piece. He basically put us through the class our so first year. Um, so we kind of got a firm foundation right at the start. And I mean, it's really good. But like you were saying, it's it's hard to give up your stuff, like even little things. Um, I love books, as a lot of people know. And when I get a book, like I've got my own, uh, you know, the books of Bobby Gillis stickers that I put on my books because <laughs> they're mine. And I want to I want to keep them. And I, I you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give, it's even hard for me. Like if someone like borrows my book, I'm always a little bit like, well, okay. <laughs> Do you I don't have like, like a, just like, Hey, I'll just, I'll just buy you this cup, but it's my book. <laughs> it's like, it feels like I'm parting with a child, which is ridiculous because most of my books are like 15, 20 bucks. You know, I mean, I don't have like a bunch of leather bound books, um, but it's hard to part with your stuff. 
I can imagine you having a card catalog for everyone that borrows a book from you. I used to have like a, it, it was a, yeah, <laughs> sign in, sign out sheet. And um, I haven't had one for a while, but yeah, it's, it's hard to part with them even for a little bit. You're joking. So same, I've had, I had the same situation as you, Bobby, where um, like my father-in-law uh, put me and Jordan through the Peace University with Dave Ramsey. Um, it's kind of a joke in our family because I did not have a job. I think I was 20 at the time. I did not have a job, but I did propose to Jordan and, and he gave us, a, you know, the blessing and everything like that. Um, and looking back on that, just as a father right now, I'm thinking like, what was he thinking? <laughs> but, yeah. but anyways, you know, I remember being oh. in the class and he humiliated me, man. He said, um, he said, uh, well, he's learning, he's learning how to manage money, but he don't have any. <laughs> and I, I mean, that stuck with me ever since. I was just like, Ooh, like when I get some money, <laughs> but, uh, so, so on the flip side, it was, you know, um, in that, in that, and in that particular time in my life, uh, my father was passing and, uh, my mother was moving on pretty, uh, pretty quickly in another relationship. So I, I distanced myself and um, ended up actually just staying in Jordan's basement for a while as we were going through that class and stuff and uh, being engaged. So like I had no possessions really um, and had no money, had no job, uh, but going through the Dave Ramsey and seeing all of that stuff. And I remember one thing that stood out to me the most was, um, I think it was from age 20 to 29, if you were, to invest a certain amount of money in that window of a time, by the time you were 60, it would be like a million dollars or something like that. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, had no money, but I remember thinking, seeing that, that uh, formula right there. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm doing this. Like, uh, and yeah, I think looking back, I actually was, was able to do that in that window. So I'll let you know when I'm 60, um, <laughs> <laughs> what the verdict is. Um, but you know, leading actually, so that kind of leads into uh, the the first question of like, have you ever had a possession that owned you? Um, during that time in that basement, I I didn't know what depression was, um, mm. but I, uh, and this is through work of therapy. You know, we talked about that a little bit last week, but like, just the therapy that I went through and everything, learning that um, video games, like my system had such a grip on me it was it's scary to even talk about and humiliating and talk about um i mean i would share that that kind of stuff with my friends and like they're like oh it's just a video game you know like they would downplay like you can't and i'm like it's so much more than that to me um looking back into my childhood and stuff like that um that's when like the first playstation came out and like things started to get real hot and as y'all see today people can make money off video games so i'm not too embarrassed to say that <laughs> because you can make a living off of it now. If I had the right support, I could be doing that right now. Yep. Just gonna go out there and say that. But um, as I look back, like that was my thing to get away from my reality. I don't remember my life being like horrible by any means, but it was my escape. So again, you know, virtual reality, it was something that was like my reality to the point that um, most, most things had to live up and measure to video games for me normal life was kind of dull for the most part. And uh, I can see that even in the kids that I work with right now um, in that program that I was telling you guys about, like when, when we get them outside of the video games, it's, you can see they're almost, they're, they're not nearly as lit up or as excited. They're, they're just kind of uh, just in a dull place. And it's like, man, like 
those those chemicals in their mind and, and what how they were responding to those video games. I can see that in myself. My first year of marriage um, was a real, real struggle because I kept that pattern in my life, especially coming off the back of everything that I just went through in my personal life. And, and uh, it, it, it was a real problem um, for us. You know, Jordan's, Jordan's threatened to, to break my stuff. Whoa, and, she's hardcore. Yeah, yeah, but it was, you know, just obviously other people are going to hear this, but just to confess it to you guys, like, that's that's how it was. So when I heard that, like, when I seen that question, immediately that was the first thing that came to mind. And, um, you know, it got to a place where I had to sell it and get it out of the house for, for a while to focus on regular life and my relationship with my wife and even my relationship with Christ, you know, so. But now I got kids, I uh, have a video game system in my house, and I don't get to play it anyway, so <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, so that's just a little bit of, of you know, my experience with the, with the money part and just with the possession thing. Um, one thing that I did get right pretty early, and I thank God for that, is, is um, the tithing part. Again, I didn't have much, but what I, what I did have, I was able to to establish, you know, the 10% is, is, you know, what I do. I know give, give according to what you can give. Um, I want to make sure and stress that, but my 10% was so small then that now when I'm, now that I am established in my life, I'm able, I've, I've always kept that, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I've always kept that pattern, I guess you could say. And so, you know, now I'm able to give more and it's actually exciting to see like, like, okay, this, this number has grown and, and, you know, I hope it continues to grow to the point that it's like, oh my gosh, looking back at a statement and it's like, you know, you gave away someone's, you know, yearly salary at, at some point. So, um, but I think, you know, I thank God for that, that, that I was able to do that and, and create that pattern. And it has been like that ever since. So that that's not something that I struggle with. And I, and I know that is a struggle for a lot of people. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you got rid of your PlayStation, it, would you would say it was worth it? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Yeah. And how long did that, that take? Um... Let me think of the timeline. How long did it take as in like before I brought it back into my life? Yeah, I guess. Is that like, is that the question? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I would say I ended up selling it and then yeah, I think I thought I was ready. And so, I, I, matter of fact, I think a new one came out. So I bought that one. <laughs> and then um, within a few months, I could, uh, or maybe even weeks, uh, it, was, it was a long time ago, but I was able to see like, oh man, I'm getting sucked in again, you know? And so uh, it even got to the point where like I communicated with Jordan, like, hey, um, help me like kind of measure how much time I'm spending doing this because it, it can get me and I'm, and I'm playing with fire. Um, so yeah, I, I would say, I would say probably the, maybe half of half a year, I, I went without one and then I have one. And then from there it was, it was kind of a, you know, just a tiptoeing around it and stuff like that. 
but I'm but I'm grateful that I did make that decision because it, it, it really did help me to get back to reality and and to enjoy the this just the simple things in life. Yeah. I've got students here that would make no sense to hear that. Yeah, no, I know. Like it's like I said, you know, talk like hanging with these kids. Um, we did something recently where we took them like as a group and did like some group therapy things and stuff like that. And um, every single one of them asked, like, can we play, can we bring our PlayStation? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and, and they were like, uh, dun, dun, dun. they were like, so are you bringing yours? <laughs> and I was like, there is no games being played here. I promise you. And uh, by the end of the night, no, no joke. Like by the end of the night, every single one of them had their phones and they were watching YouTube videos of other people playing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 deeper than that, you know. And I, maybe I'm the first generation of those those kids, you know what I'm saying? Um, and and it's I, I remember telling Jordan a few weeks ago uh, as I matter of fact, it was off the back of that um, that group therapy we did, and I was like, "Isn't it crazy how God used something that I struggle with now to to like kind of help and restore these kids back?" Like I was just like, I never thought that would be used. You walked in their shoes you and now you saying, kind of understand. In this way. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there are times that even Blake and I, like, we don't have data on our phones. And I think that's, it's, it's been frustrating sometimes, like when you're trying to get somewhere and you don't have directions. Um, but other times it's been its own blessing because even we'll be, we'll be sitting down together and we'll be on our phones and one of us will say like, hey, can you be here? It's like, oh, like I didn't realize this, I'd been sucked into this world and like you want some time with me and that's actually really special. So I wanna honor that. I wanna set that down and pay attention to you. Um, and I think there is like, you know the line of when something starts to control your life and it becomes an addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like what you're describing. Like it started to take over your life. And that's yeah. when you knew that it was a, it was a problem. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a really wise place it's, to know yourself at that level, I think is really wise. It does speak to Jesus saying like, well, what Jonah said today of your possessions will own you, will become part of your life, will dominate your life, your thinking, your relationships. And yeah. like, it takes time to notice that even. Um, but but conversely, like I had a student, I remember the senior I had who like the most important thing to him in his life, and he talked about all the time was, I want to get rich. And I get it. Like he, he had a bit of a rough life and it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Looking at it as a, as a Christian though, like, well, you want money because you think it'll make you happy. And he's like, yeah, absolutely like all right they're gonna see how that turns out for you because there are a lot of people in the world with money and they're still not happy but he was convinced that that's the life he wanted and so for for have someone like you i can imagine you walking up to him saying like yeah man i got rid of my playstation because it was more healthy for me spiritually and led to more true happiness i don't think he'd believe you yeah for sure at all i like to use a so when i when i'm like kind of evangelizing to, to someone who who's kind of has that kind of language. 
I always use uh, Robin Williams as a as a um, as an example. You know, someone who spent his life making people laugh, and was very rich for it and very famous for it, and took his own life. Mm-hmm. Like you can't tell me, you can't tell me that it's gonna get you there. I think he is the perfect example of that. You know, mm-hmm. I remember being sad and like, what? Like this is genie. This is Peter Pan. Like, how could this happen? You know, and then I just, and I, you know, just seeing it from, I guess, the the gospel lens, and it's just like, I mean, look at that, you know? There are so many, too, just like him, like rich, powerful, famous people that that end up either saying the same thing, like they realize it at some point, like, man, I thought that this was going to make me happy, and and I'm not, I'm not, you know, there's got to be something more. And then there's also those cautionary tales that they never realize it and they come to a bad end. And then the, their whole life becomes a cautionary tale. Like, look what happened to them. They seem to have it all. I think even the wording of that question that we're talking about, your possessions owning you, um, it, it owns you, it owns, it owns our time, it owns our energy. Um, it, 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 we are very externally focused rather than focused on the relationships um, and like what you were talking about, Michael, just how that that focus of that one possession just kind of drove a wedge um, between you and Jordan for a bit. And just thinking what what Jonah said about money being the third cause of divorce and how how money is it is a heart problem. It is a relational problem um, that that affects more than just us. Um, the consequences are more than just on us, it's for the it's for the people around us, um, and yeah, I um, I know I probably in college kind of started having this vision that of the American dream that I was going to go to college, get my degree, get married, my husband was going to have a degree, we were going to live the American dream of just having you know this certain house and this I, I just had this vision of that this was the way it was supposed to be and of course as the four of us can attest to sitting here that happens you get married you you graduate and then you realize like life doesn't really work that way you know it just it just doesn't work that way um and so i think there was a period of time where there was a little bit of a letdown for me with that of just realizing that and, and just realizing how externally focused I was at the time. And I think I was just really convicted of, about that. And I think if, if for, for me, if I'm pursuing my time, um, if, if I'm pursuing all of these external things, which I have and I still do sometimes, then I'm missing out on cultivating the relationships around me and cultivating just my own relationship um, with God. And I just like that connection that, that Jonah made um, between that, between how our posture towards generosity and giving, I think can be kind of a reflection of how we view God. Absolutely. Yeah, and when he talked about generosity, he spent a lot of time talking about generosity to the poor, like specifically yep. to the poor. And I like, um, I kind of highlighted one one part of his sermon which I printed out from Right Now Media. So this is an ad for Right Now Media in the middle of this show. Um, but he said, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it has little to do with the worthiness of the recipient. Yes. 
Um, you give what you have. And he, Jesus didn't say give what you have to the worthy poor. He says give what you have to the poor. And then he, he said, you know, there are these categories that you find in the Bible of, of the righteous poor and the unrighteous poor. And that can be confusing. And it reminded me, we, we've talked a little bit before about, you know, this kind of concept and the different things that the Bible says about the poor. And so you have these verses mainly in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament um, where the perspective is a parent talking to his child and saying, do these things because this will lead to financial security and health and success and don't do these things because it will lead to poverty and ruin. Um, so you, you do have those verses in, in, like I said, mostly in the wisdom literature, but you have to keep in mind the perspective there. That's like if you're, you're mentoring somebody or you're, you're, you know, you're teaching your child and you're saying, these are Proverbs and a proverb is generally true, not necessarily always true. Like when it says children obey your parents, so you'll have a long life. Well, we all know that sometimes kids die young and it doesn't mean they were disobedient. Proverbs aren't always true. They're generally true. So saying, hey, generally, if you work hard and you save and you're careful, then you're going to have, you know, financial security. And generally, if, if you're, if you do this, you do this, you do this, you're going to, you're going to become poor. Um, but when we get the other perspective, when God is talking to his people in the Bible through the prophets or through Jesus or the apostles, and he's telling his people how to relate to the poor, then it's overwhelmingly positive. Help the poor. You don't just help them if you determine that they're worthy of it and that you've done a background check and found that they're poor because they were oppressed, not because they didn't do something right. That's, that's not the posture that we have towards the poor. And it's important, I think, to keep those distinctions in mind. So our posture, like I think he said, again, it's one of reckless generosity. You know, and he sort of had that, the parable of the, the farmer that's scattering seed. And he's just, he just throwing it everywhere, just throwing it everywhere. And that sort of should be our, the posture of our hearts that we don't have this tight grip on our stuff because we just want to help people. Well, but Bobby, they're just going to take my money and spend it on booze or cigarettes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, there, this kind of reminds me, I was driving People down. Yeah. I was, I was actually driving down Louisville. Um, it's probably been about a year ago. And I saw there was a guy on the street corner that he was, you know, wanting, he had a, uh, like a cup that you could drop money into. And his sign literally said, I'm not going to lie. I'm doing this for the booze, which was sad, but also funny. But I mean, I remember working downtown and there, there are like, you know, homeless people. Um, and I think, you know, what, what I would do and what a lot of people that work downtown would do is, is, okay, you know that there are people that they're, um, they're addicted to something. And that's probably contributed to their problems. And a lot of them have, you know, they, they, they've got issues like that. But if you have the time, there was a Wendy's right across the street where I work. So there were a few times when, you know, someone would approach me and I don't know if he's going to go buy booze or something. But what I can do is, especially if I'm on my lunch break, which this would happen a lot on lunch break, um, I'd say like, hey, just come in Wendy's with me and I'll buy you a burger. So, you know, you don't have to just, you know, take this posture of, no, I'm not going to help you because you'll, you'll misuse it. You can take steps to make sure that they're, you know, he's hungry. I'll make sure he gets something to eat. I'll get him a burger or, you know, take him to, 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 to Wayside or, or whatever. Well, and um, women's school coming up, we're studying the attributes of God here in just a few weeks. And just in some of my reading and preparation, um, 
today I, I came across the attribute of God as the self-sufficient one. It said God is self-sufficient, but he also um, is the God of infinite provision. And um, this verse from Acts chapter 17, verse 25, um, essentially it says that God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything Rather, he gives, him, he gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And as you were talking, Bobby, I was just thinking about that, how in, in this way, we are the needy ones. We're the poor ones. We, like God needs nothing from us, but we need everything from him. And that's the posture I think we should have, um, just, that, just that posture of seeking out ways that we can be generous, whether it's someone on the street, if we do have time to go and grab a burger for that person or give them some change. I think it's, uh, I think it can be hard. It's not easy, but I think God has modeled that for us. And, um, and I think it kind of changes my perspective in looking at myself um, as the needy one that God is providing for, you know, and just, and what, what, what would that look like for me to have that posture towards other people around me? Yeah, for sure. Um, I could think of, that's I was trying to say principles, y'all. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Let me get I back say to that. What? Principles. principles. <laughs> but uh, you know, having it, it always seems like I've always had enough. Especially this is this is a topic that I think is really cool to me because this is an area <laughs> Christianity is already hard enough. This is an area that I feel like I can get I get right. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm justified <laughs> in this area, but um. It, it, you know, it just, it just never seems to fail that like when I'm giving, it just, it, it seems like there's always enough for me and some, and, and most of the time more than enough. Um, what I love about my job is that I get to mingle in, in all these areas. And so I just get to be really generous with my gold, honestly. Like I, it, it gives me so much delight to be able to, um, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this story and I don't know, you're not supposed to let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, but like there was a guy who was, I, I, I was driving up delivering mail in some businesses and I see this guy and he's, and he's maneuvering around, but he's, he's actually well, well dressed. Um, so I'm not sure what was going on. Um, but I noticed he kept hitting trash cans and I'm like, what's going on? You know, like, so I, I immediately think like, more suspiciously at this point um but i've seen him go around a corner and it just so happens that i take that corner to go to the next set of businesses and what he had done was he, he gathered up the food that he could get out of the cans and made him a meal and um i mean it, it was just so upsetting and i like for whatever reason i just was like i cannot imagine where you have to be in life to 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 do something like that because this is this is a very public area like everyone can see him um and <laughs> i think i said something like hey man put that down <laughs> like i was just like hey put that down no you're not you're not doing this man like i was like let i said walk over here because i only got one seat in the mail truck anyway um so you you and you ain't you ain't allowed to get in the mail truck so let me say that before they hear this and, and get me but uh I told him walk. I said walked over here to this to this uh, restaurant and like we're gonna get you something to eat, man. Like, so we went in there, and I was like, get whatever you want. Like, 
get you two meals if you got to, because I don't know where you're going to be next or whatever. And it really, what I think was really cool is like, while we were waiting in line, uh, I felt the embarrassment that he felt, but it also led me to just be like, to just kind of look at him to be like, look, man, I don't know what you're going through or what's going on, but I know that I am five decisions away from being where you're at. And like, you can, we can have a conversation right now, or I can just walk away. Like it, this has, this has nothing to do with me, like trying to be this good guy or that I'm better than you or something like that. Like you seem like the type of guy who would do the same thing for me if I was in your shoes. So this is, this is why we're here, man. And, um, those opportunities can really, can really happen quite often. And like I said, just having that posture of, of wanting to be generous with what you have, I, like God always makes what you have enough for you and someone else too. That's, that's been my experience. Um, and you can't, you can't tell me anything different. Um, I've, I've, I've practiced it. I've put it to the test. Um, go try it. <laughs> like prove me wrong because I, I have never seen anything different. Yeah, that uh, one of the discussion questions was how does generosity help heal our souls? And I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you said um, towards that, Michael, and in, in making you actually stronger and even growing your your empathy um, yeah. as a follower of Christ. Um, it frees us from dependence on stuff and gives us meaning and purpose. It's aligned with God. And, um, you know, I was thinking that's that's even true of wealthy people who submit to Christ. The, the Bible in early church history says there's many more p poor Christians than rich Christians, and that's still true today. But mm. the point is, be generous in whatever way you can. Um, and it reminds me of, of two of my favorite characters in the New Testament, Lydia and Phoebe. And I talked about Lydia from Philippi um, in my Philippian sermon. She was the first European Christian she was leading a women's Bible study when she met Paul and she said like, Hey, I got this successful business. I got a big estate. Let's use it as the base of operations for the kingdom of God. And then the whole church can worship here. And then there's Phoebe who just has this one, just this tiny bit of ink in the letter of Romans. Um, the, the last chapter, Romans 16 verse one, which I just happened to have here. It's like uh, you're prepared or something, Bobby. It's like I'm prepared. <laughs> Word of God here. See, uh, so Paul is, Paul is writing, he's finishing out the letter of Romans, and he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Sancria, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever way she may require of you. For she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. So Sancria was this port city near Corinth where Paul was located while writing Romans. And most Bible scholars agree that Paul gave his letter to the Romans to Phoebe who carried the letter to Rome and she read it aloud to the Christians there. So at the end of this letter, he includes this, this commendation for her. He says, help her in whatever way she may require for she's been a benefactor of many, including me. And some English translations, instead of benefactor, they say helper, which is far too generic of a word. Like it, it's literally a benefactor or a patron She's a woman of means, and she was always looking to leverage whatever she has for the kingdom of God. And, and I think that's, that's a great example to follow um, of someone who, you know, whatever, she, however she came to her wealth, we don't really know anything about her. We don't know as much about her as we know about Lydia. Um, but she had, she had some money, and she had some ability to travel, 
And she was always looking to like, what, how can I grow the kingdom of God? Um, yeah. so that's a great example. We see that over and over in the New Testament. And this is where I appreciate Jonah's point that, you know, like you were saying earlier, you have to take the Bible for, for what part it is, the literary intent. And so a proverb is not a commandment. Mm -hmm. It's a recommendation for a good life. Um, in the same way, the, the um, camel through an eye of a needle being mm -hmm. a joke is like, well, it, it, I'm saying it's like this, but it's to emphasize the fact that on your own, it is impossible. And that's why you do need God. And so um, it's not, it's not literal, like Jesus isn't saying everyone has to take their possessions and give them up, but he is giving the invitation that if you do that, you are in the same way you add to your 401k and that grows, um, you are storing up treasures for yourself in heaven, which will be a more blessing to you tenfold over. And, and so you see that, like, I care about this person who's a rich young ruler is, is what Jonah referred to him as. He cares more about money. That's where his heart is. And even if you go to Ananias and Sapphira later in the New Testament, that people were selling their, their land, their possessions, their, their house, their property to give to the church. But when it wasn't out of generosity, God noticed and smote someone down. Like, it's not that, it's not that you weren't doing something that could be noble. It's that you were doing it for the wrong reasons. And so, you know, when we give, it's not just to bless someone else, although it does, it also changes us in our hearts and our spirituality. And that's a large part of the purpose of while we're here, being made beautiful in these ways that I don't think the world, I, I know that the world doesn't get or see or understand. Like, why are, why are you going to do that? Why would you help someone else? Yeah. I liter I've literally had non-Christians ask, like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you give food to a food pantry like why would you care yeah they're not going to do anything for you like well that's not the point and i think one of the things if we start out remembering that all that we have was given to us by god like if, if we start out baseline level remembering that god has provided for us and giving given all that we need i think that that also enables us to have more of a posture of giving and I know for me, um, generosity is almost like, it's almost like an act of trust. It's almost a way, giving has been a way for me to learn how to actively trust God with something really tangible. It's, it hasn't always been easy for me. Um, I remember when Matt and I were first, well, we, we were doing our premarital counseling and um, the pastor who married us, that was one of the things that he did as he sat down and went over how to make a budget and the very first thing he said that that comes out of your budget is the tithe and I was like what like <laughs> that kind of hurts a little bit you know when you look at that and I think that was one of the greatest gifts that he could have given to us as a young couple that was about to get married because what that did is, is it taught us um, to get into that rhythm of giving um, even though it hurt even though you don't always want to, but, but once you, like you were talking about, Michael, once you have that pattern and that, that rhythm in your life, I think that's when you experience joy, yeah. the joy of trusting that God's going to provide for you. And I think, um, just even, even making it more relational, um, 
God showing me who he is as my provider, not just my savior, not just my Lord, but also like he is my provider. And it's, I mean, it's just beautiful, I think, just to see over the years how God has provided for my family and in times when things were tight. Uh, we, I know Matt and I just have story after story of, of God just providing in really creative yeah. ways. Um, and, and, and it's not that there's like, you give, therefore you're going to get this random check in the mail. Not necessarily, I'm not saying that necessarily, but I think, I think there just, there is something to trust in God with all that we have and knowing that he's, he's going to take care of us. Yes. Yes. It's yes. even described as an act of worship, like, yes. like offer, offer yourselves and your lives as living sacrifices because in Romans it's like this is your act of worship and it's holy and pleasing to the Lord Amen. like yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I know there's not condemnation because like when Blake and I started out we were making below the poverty line for us and it was those it was a hard year um, yeah <laughs> it was it was a hard year and you know we we could not tithe 10% and we didn't feel comfortable doing that. We, we still tithe, we did what we could, but I know that there's no condemnation for me in that. And now that we're in a much better place, like, like that's, that's even an, an additional challenge of like, okay, this is easy for me to do. Maybe, maybe there's something more that I could be doing. What, where else am I being led by the Holy Spirit? And so I, I think you're right. And, and honestly, as a Christian, I can agree with you. Like anytime I've absolutely needed something, I, I usually have it or I need it or someone around has it and will let me borrow it, especially other Christians. Like I've seen the generosity of other Christians here and it makes me thank God over and over and over again. And sojourn, especially. God's I, I remember when Matt and when we had our first baby and, um, Everybody probably knows what a mill train is, but someone wanted to create a mill train for us. And Matt was like, no, we, we don't need that. We don't need people to like, go out of their way to make us mills. Um, and I was like, no, people want to do this. Let's let people like, let's, let's receive this gift. And um, I'll never forget like that first, those first few mills, you know, we're trying to take care of a newborn who was crying nonstop every day, all day. And he looked at me and he was like, oh my goodness, we're going to sign up and take meals to everybody after they have a baby. <laughs> he just, he, like, we were able to receive that gift of just yeah. meals. And that, that was a blessing to us and, and helped us in that way. And I think, I think that's kind of how it's been also just with generosity and giving, giving for us, like we've, we've received much more than we deserve and God has provide it for us. And, and because of that, that I think that has cultivated more of a heart for wanting to be able to do that for other people. When, when you realize just all that God has given you and all the ways he's provided, it's like, yeah, what, what can I do for somebody else? You know, what can I do, um, for just whoever is in need that comes across my path? Man, trying to be a, a blessing blocker. <laughs> but I call those people. <laughs> we, we shut it down, though. We, sh we shut it down. We meal train. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, one of those meal trains that we had, like, I mean, you can get used to that. Like, I it finally stopped, <laughs> like, start cooking again. <laughs> it's really a blessing. Yeah, for sure. 
where the train go? <laughs> uh, I, thinking back to what you just said a, a while back, Bobby, um, you know, about just leveraging, leveraging things like uh, that, that's probably gives my, my job so much more purpose because like folks don't mind the mailman. Right. So they don't see me coming. And I think, I think it really speaks to the fact that most of the, most of the people that I've led to Christ is actually in some way connected to my job. Um, I, you know, meet those folks, develop relationships with them, and then it continues. And, and maybe it's not that person that I met, but it's, it's someone uh, of a friend of theirs that I meet them at one of their kids' birthday parties that leads to something else. And, um, you know, like when I, when I put on that uniform, it, if I just kept it at just delivering mail, that would be just boring. It would be, it would just be a, a terrible thing for me anyway. It's, it's a great job. Don't get me wrong, but to go out there and to, and to have the lens of like, you know, of wanting to leverage that I think is, is, a it's just a, a tremendous blessing. And like, again, just even being able to do that with, with my, with my money is, is leveraging that. I've, like you were saying a minute ago, Lindsay, I can think of so many times where like, and I, and it, I, I truly believe it has to be because of, of the tithing and, and, and going kind of above, uh, as Jonah was saying and saying like, is this, is it sacrificial giving? You know, there's, there's time. I, I wouldn't say that when he said that, I was thinking like, I wouldn't say I've gotten to a place where like it truly affects my finances, but like, it's like, I could have spent that on something else, but I know that if I give this, like, because I've seen, I've seen the principle in play when, when I do this to someone, like God's going to give this back to me. Um, I can remember, I can remember when we, we, we sold the house that we were in before this one. And that day, this, I mean, this is mind blowing that same day, um, they cut a check for us. It was the the biggest check I ever. I thought I stole something. Like when mm-hmm. we walked in there, I was like, "Jordan, we gotta get out of here." Like I was whispering because <laughs> I was like, "We got a lot of money off of this house," and like you know, uh, but you know, like and and I and I really believe like that's the Lord giving it back to me. Like I mean, thousands of dollars. And then the day before we closed, Jordan calls me and tells me that she got like a 13% increase in her salary before we closed on the house that we were about to go into, which we had budgeted, budgeted the, the mortgage. And we were like, okay, if we give up this in our life, because budgeting being so important, if we give up this little portion of our life, we will be able to get this much house. And so we was like, no brainer because this house was, it had a finished basement. It had like, it's, it's a beautiful house. And so we did that. Well, also the kids were at daycare that same day that we closed. So, so she got the 13% increase the day before we get this huge check. And then we're like, I'm like, man, we got to go get some graders ice cream. This is, you know, like we got, plus we don't have the kids. So it's not going to cost us $25 for ice cream. So I'm like, so do this. <laughs> and um, we're driving there and I'm like, you know what? I think I got a coupon or something. So I get on the app and literally that day, it was like counting down to the minutes of how much time I had left to use that. So, so we get that, we get that, uh, increase. We get to close on the house and do that. We didn't even have to pay for our ice cream. Like the ice cream was free. 
And I was just like, man, look at God. Like I was, you know, we were just sitting there just blown away because we thought we were in our dream house before this house. And now we're like living a dream in, in such a way in that area in our life. And then it's like, man, we couldn't even buy our own ice cream. Like, look what he's doing for us. You know what I'm saying? And that was probably one of the coolest moments of, of like that in my life. And I, and I do believe it goes back to that principle of like, the more you are giving, like God is going to show up in ways financially that, that you would be surprised. And Lindsay, I mean, I know you said like you could think of some stories, but I mean, I'm sure those, some of those things come to your mind where you're just like, yeah, like he, he showed up, he showed up. Financially. And, and I think um, also, also just Jonah mentioned this before too, in the sermon relationally, like I think that maybe your generosity or our generosity towards somebody else can come back to you in relational ways, you know, where you get to see the result of your generosity. And, and like you said, like just being on your mail route, like the people that you have conversation with and develop relationships with and so forth. Um, and then even just being able to see, um, I know like your money at work, like in missions or just being, a, being able to see what that looks like, what your money goes, goes towards, whether it's your money or your time, but we're talking about money here. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's financial returns, there's relational returns. And I think, you know, I think there's lots of different ways that we get to enjoy the benefit of just being generous and, and having that generous posture. Lindsay, I'd say to piggyback off what you just said, money and time. I, I was just talking with a lady not too long, within the past week, that she does not have income. Like, mm -hmm. she, she doesn't have any money to give. Um, I mean, she's kind of provided for, but but she can give her time. Like, she does little things, um, even not only within the church, but within her neighborhood. Just like, you know, like, she she has access to, like, balloons. She gives balloons to kids. You know, just like, she's a generous person. She doesn't have money but she's still like got a generous heart. And I think that's really important. That sounds like a good place to end for tonight. Yeah, it was good. Well, next week, uh, so we talked in this series about marriage, about money. This coming week is going to be about work, vocation. Um, so we'll see everyone on Sunday, 9 or 11 a.m. And then we'll be back here next week. And then we can check up to talk about that. Sounds good. Yeah.